0: Comic book time machine episode. I don't know because I'm doing this as an experiment, and I am not in front of a. Just don't know. But it's about Marvel Superheroes magazine number one from October of '96 uh, or something like that. '94. Again, I, I'm doing this as an experiment, so I don't have. All the details I normally would have with internet connection and whatnot, but yeah. So here I am. Um, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing a experimental podcast episode about the Marvel superheroes magazine. And the way this works is, uh, I'm I'm actually trying to do this as a, uh, uh, well, a way of of showing up another podcaster out there. You know, there's a podcaster out there who does a podcast based on a price point, and that price point is $0.25. Cents. You know, I'm not going to name the podcast, but it it's named after his price point, and he, his price point 25 cents it comes from a bin uh, in a comic shop that uses that monetary value, a quarter of a dollar, but not... Uh, I'm, I'm not going to name that podcast, but I... I think I'm holding in my hands something that kind of beats anything that he's ever uh, podcasted about anyway. And that is, uh, I went to the counter to pay for this comic book and I was charged zero cents. Zero dollars, zero cents. Uh, I, I went to the counter actually with a handful of comics and the person behind the counter told me, Happy uh, new job. And they were – he gave them to me as a gift. Um, But since I walked up to the cash register and handed them to him and then he handed them back to me as a completed transaction, I believe that this podcast episode right now, The Comic Book Time Machine, represents a better – monetary deal than that other podcast. And I, I just want to gloat for a moment here because he's always gloating about how he has those boxes of comics that only cost 25 cents. Again, I'm not going to name the podcast, nor am I going to name the podcaster who may or may not be someone who has a moniker that, uh, ties into the collegiate career choice. Um, as a title, and then who may or may not share a first name with something, you know, like uh, the first Green Lantern. I'm I'm not, I'm not going to name this person. I'm not going to call out this podcast, but I am going to gloat for him. Uh, This thing that I'm holding in my hand was free. Free beats 25 cents, right? But not only was it free, there's 96 pages in this book. In fact, the cover of this book says "96 big pages," so I don't see how they're any different in size than a traditional comic book. But it's on the cover, and it's it's uh, like I said before, it's called Marvel Superheroes Magazine, and it has four stories in it, four comic book issues reprints from the past. So what I'm actually holding in my hand is a comic book time machine relic in that I have it in my hands as a book from 1994. But it's also a double time machine relic in that it has four issues in classic runs of four different titles. First, I'm reading from the cover here. It says, in this issue, the Fantastic Four, confronted by Diablo and his elementals. Daredevil, marked for murder by Bullseye. Iron Man, betrayed by the fearsome ani <laughs> Whatever that might be. And the Hulk, attacked by his greatest foes. So here's how this is going to work. This is the experimental part of this. I'm sitting here. I'm not using any computers. I'm not using any Google or anything like that to find out anything more about these comic books that are in here. I'm just going to be sitting here reading the issues one by one i'm not going to be reading while i'm recording but what i'll do is i will stop recording read the issues one by one and between each issue i will turn the recording back on and then i will talk about it. give my thoughts about them now one of the things the questions i want to answer about each of these is is this issue a good sample Good enough for me to want to come back to this classic run, and I say classic runs because I have looked, f- you know, through here and and read about what they are in this back matter. Um, they have a page that kind of goes through uh, what what they are and, and who did them and that kind of thing. And I can say right now, also peeking ahead, uh, John Byrne is represented both with Fantastic Four and with. Um, with the Hulk, and then for Iron Man we have Bill Mantlo, which is uh, he's a writer that I really enjoy and, and respect and admire. And then for Daredevil it's Frank Miller. Now it's not Frank Miller writing; it's he's the penciler on this this issue here, but it's it's Roger McKenzie who's the writer. And again, that's kind of the beginning of a classic run on Daredevil. And so I think what they were trying to do is they created a sampler that would want people, you know, make people want to come back get the next issue of Marvel Superheroes magazine, magazine, because I think the idea was they would kind of reprint these classics in this this format. I don't know how long this format lasted. Uh, I don't know really much about the Marvel Superheroes magazine. And I honestly, what, what really makes this appealing to me, is I don't know much about these particular uh, runs on these characters. Now, one thing I will say is... Uh, there are podcasts that I I listen to that go along with these uh, these titles. I, I don't have the internet connection that I normally would have. I'm, that's also part of the experiment here, uh, so I'm not going to be looking up those exact uh, URLs. But I will mention them, uh, and you can easily look them up yourself if you're interested in finding out. You know what what's this podcast about? Daredevil. Uh, the only ones I I don't have a direct podcast that's specifically about that particular title, uh, those couple, I, I do have an idea of, of who I might um, mention. So I'm, I'm also going to be giving four podcast suggestions to you as I'm reading through here based on the, the book that that's, that's sampled here in my hands. So the first one is a, the Fantastic Four, and it comes from, let me flip back here to the back again. Uh, It comes from Fantastic Four, number 232, from July of 1981. I think that's cover date, but I I really can't check that. Again, uh, I'm part of the experiment. Um, It's called Back to the Basics. It's by John Byrne. He did both the uh, writing and the pencil art. And it's inked by Bjorn Hain. Uh, Letters by Jim Novak. Colors by Glenis Wheat. Edited by Jim Salakrup and editor in chief, Jim Shooter. By the way, the reprint editor here is Tom Brevoort. I don't think I said that right. Editor in chief is Tom DeFalco. So lots of Jims and lots of Toms. I'm going to read Fantastic Four right now and I will be back in a moment to, um, well, to, to, uh, give my my commentary. So here's our little bumper here. And I'll be back. Okay, so I'm... With the experiment, I'm a little uh, off here. I should play the bumper uh, between sections and not continue talking... After playing the bumper, because that completely distorts the whole reason for having a bumper. The bumper is to, you know, divide the sections. Um, anyway, back to the comic book here. I just got done reading Fantastic Four, number two, what was it, 232, yeah, from July of 1981. A, a mere uh, 13 years before they printed this book that I'm holding in my hands. And I got to say, I really enjoyed it, but I'm not sure if I enjoyed it in the right way and in such a way that it would make me really be interested in what is John Byrne going to do with the Fantastic Four next. As far as being a Fantastic Four story, though, it is just about perfect. It features the Fantastic Four. Thing, Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, and Torch. It has plenty of interplay between them. Uh, although a lot of... Well, maybe that's, that's not quite the right thing to say. They do end up interplaying with each other, but they start off separately. And what happens is there's... A, the villain is Diablo. He's a magic villain. And it starts out and he's doing some spells. And, and, it, and then there's a knock at the door and it interrupts the spell. And it's like he has to use other spells to turn into a kindly-looking old man so he can answer the door for the landlord. And it's just two pages but it really sets up nicely this kind of funny situation where he is using powers and using his you know materials for the spells and everything so he cannot get caught in his apartment uh as a supervillain now they think he's dead and at the end of the comic there is a little bit of a conversation Um, where Thing and Mr. Fantastic, and this is the very end, where Thing and Mr. Fantastic are trying to figure out who it is that attacked them. We'll get into the attacks in just a second. And uh, Thing says, You mean Diablo? You slipped your cog. He's dead. I saw him die in a solar furnace. And Mr. Fantastic replies, You saw no body, Ben. And Diablo has escaped certain death before, remember? And just that classic, if there's no body, there's no death kind of thing going. But what he does is he summons four elemental creatures. And these four elemental creatures are then set out almost like uh, like um, hunting dogs to, to sniff out and find a particular member of the Fantastic Four that would be able to be beaten by that elemental. So a rock elemental is sent after, uh, after Sue Storm. And a water elemental is sent after Thing. Um, another uh, f- oh, a wind elemental is sent after the human torch. And then a fire elemental is sent after Mr. Fantastic. And through the dialogue, we find out that their master, Diablo, has told them they cannot fight their analog. They have to go after who they, they've been told to go after. And the way that they defeat them, and this is where, again, I, I like the Fantastic Four because they are a team. They work together as a team. They fight together as a team, but they live together as a team. And what they do to win is they kind of switch off. And so they they do end up going after their analogs. And the, the rock creature is the Thing's analog. Obviously, the fire creature is, is Johnny Storm's analog. The wind creature that's sent after Mister Fantastic, that would be the uh, the one who actually would be an analog for um, Invisible Woman's uh, invisible force fields, and then the water creature is kind of reminiscent of Mister Fantastic's powers, and it's kind of cool uh, the the idea of the elementals and how the Fantastic Four have an elemental element is <laughs> kind of a cool thing, but. It plays out with this kind of, it starts out with this, uh, you know, the guy who's in an apartment and it's just kind of goofy. And then you have the fights and they figure things out. They win their fights. And then at the very end, it just wraps up. Now there's some interesting things about how they win their fights. I don't want to get into that because I do want to be there to be some element of surprise, but the way it wraps up is pretty simple It's just Mr. Fantastic figures out there's only one person who would send an elemental using alchemy against us, and Dr. Doom wouldn't do this kind of uh, he said he would never resort to such crude methods. We only have one other foe who would do this, and that's where he had that conversation about well Diablo's dead um Sue says, well, Reed, if it's Diablo, how can we find him? He could be anywhere in the world. And uh, Mr. Fantastic says, well, I don't have the equipment to trace those mystical energies, but I know someone who does and just picks up the phone. Next thing you know, they're picking up Diablo. And in the last two panels, they thank their mysterious helper who helped them uh, just grab Diablo off the street without he totally was not expecting it. Because you know, why would he? He's Diablo, and he's he's in hiding, and he's supposed to be dead. Well, it turns out uh, Dr. Strange was there, and they, he helped. You know, my pleasure, Professor Richards. I am ever prepared to aid the Fantastic Four. And Ben Grimm says, thanks again, Doc. Anytime we can do you a favor, just ask. That I shall, Ben Grimm. Though 'tis tis rare that our paths cross in this fashion, in our separate ways we both battle a common foe, nor shall that battle truly end so long as men like Diablo seek to turn the world's natural order to their own evil purposes. It's just really feels, I guess not random, that's not quite the right word, but what a wrap-up. I mean, it's just, how can we find him? Let's call Doctor Strange. Okay, done. And then it says, read the further adventures of Doctor Strange every thirty days, and the next issue, Mission for a Dead Man, The Torch Fights Alone to Clear a Murderer's Name. Enough said. Unfortunately, I don't think it is enough said for me. As far as the first issue here in this sampler, uh, I like Fantastic Four. I don't read Fantastic Four regularly, but I like it when I come across a good Fantastic Four story. That's why I can't wait for the next Fantastic Four movie to. Oh, I can't wait for that. But anyway. Um, There's also four pinup pages, and that's kind of fun. Now, the podcast that I wanted to mention uh, that that is talking about the Fantastic Four, who also they had uh, as a guest sometimes that um, unnamed podcaster who thinks it's a real good steal to buy comics for a quarter of a dollar um, and who then likes to shove it in people's face when they mention something about how – You know, it'd be nice if our comic shop also had a bin of comics that only cost 25 cents, as the name of your podcast suggests. Anyway, he... um has guested on this podcast uh, that I'm about to mention, but the Fantastic Cast is actually a really, really good podcast about the Fantastic Four, and they're going through the Fantastic Four comics, and they they read issue by issue, and then they give some good commentary and nice history. They also talk about you know other things that are happening during the time of that issue. So I, I do recommend the uh, Fantastic Cast comic uh, book podcast that they have. Um, if you are a fan of the comic book time machine and, and the kinds of things that we talk about, which if you're listening to the comic book time machine, you've pretty much, you know, you're, you're the target audience for the fantastic cast. The only reason not to listen to the fantastic cast, honestly, is because you're just not a fan of the fantastic four. And even then, I think that their, their podcast is, is interesting and interesting enough, I think to, to uh, overcome any, any hatred you might have for the characters. Um, but then again, maybe maybe that's pushing things a little too far. Anyway, so that's, the, that's uh, the podcast I would recommend, and that's also this issue of the Fantastic Four. I am not going to seek out any trades or anything like that that contain this run, but this was a fun read and well worth the money I spent on it. So next up, I'm going to be reading uh, Daredevil uh, nineteen uh, from 1979, July of 1979. Number 159, marked for murder. And I'm back. I just read Daredevil number 100 and... What was it again? (laughs) Number 159. Now, I know this is early on in Frank Miller's run. I'm not sure how early on in Frank Miller's run it is. Uh, I just know that... He hasn't started writing yet, and so this is kind of early on there. But um, I – okay, reading this, this is a good story. This is a really good story. There are a couple problems I have with it, but um, all things considered, this is really, really interesting. And I enjoyed reading it. it I, I'm a fan of – superheroes. I'm a fan of Marvel comics and I like Daredevil because I'm a fan of Marvel comics and a fan of superheroes. However, I'm not exactly, you know, I'm I'm not a a Daredevil fan. I don't have too many Daredevil comics. Uh, I just like the character. I like the character enough to listen to a podcast about it called uh, Dave's Daredevil podcast, which you can look up if you're interested. He does a similar thing as the Fantastic Cast, um, talking about a single Daredevil story in, in every episode of his podcast. He's been on hiatus. Uh, he has returned. I have not listened to the Return podcast yet, but he has returned. And he's, he's continuing his coverage of the Frank Miller stuff, actually, right now. Uh, I liked the story. Uh, the nitpicks I have... Go along with the things I liked about it, though. In this story, you have a good uh, a good combination of the secret identity life and the superhero life. You have uh, Matt Murdock, who is a lawyer dealing with lawyering things because uh, you know he has to go to trials and things like that. But he also has to deal with superhero things, and uh, something has happened in the past. We don't know exactly what. Just from reading this issue, but something has happened in the past that has has caused him to be um, in in the public eye in the news, actually, because of this, this event. And so it's caused trouble for him to act as a lawyer. He's asking for an extension. And I can only assume that this has to do with things that happened as Daredevil as well as Matt Murdock. And so I like seeing him in his secret identity. And also then the bad guys get to him because of his secret identity. Apparently in the past, he has used Daredevil as a cover for investigating things. And, and they, the bad guys come to him and say, we know Daredevil does investigative work for you. Tell him that Mr. Slaughter would like to see him midnight, Pier 42. If he doesn't show, we're going to kill you and your friend, you know, that kind of threatening stuff. And so, because again, this is a secret identity material that ties into his life as a superhero. Of course, they don't know who he is. They don't know that he actually is Daredevil when they're coming to say, bring us Daredevil. The reason they want Daredevil is because this guy named Mr. Uh, Poindexter, Pondexter, Poindexter, whatever, uh, he's, he is uh, hiring... Mr. Slaughter and Mr. Slaughter's guys to kill Daredevil. And there's a nice twist involved in that where they uh well, first of all there's a twist in finding out who who Poindexter is, and and I even though I actually listened to a podcast episode about this issue, that twist there, um I had forgotten it. it's been so long since I listened to that, that podcast episode that 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 Dave did. Um and I can call him Dave even though I don't know him very well. But he, he's given me permission to call him Dave because, well, he says that in every uh, every episode of his podcast almost. Anyway, uh, the twist of the identity, I, I completely forgot about that. And there's another twist that he doesn't actually want Daredevil dead from these guys. In fact, he's not even – I don't think he's even expecting uh, – Yeah, he says, I knew he never had a chance of defeating you. I just wanted you to try so I could get it all down on film so he can study – What's going on? Now, I don't want to talk too much about what actually happens because there's some interesting fight stuff that happens. There's some things I wasn't expecting. The whole fight, though, Daredevil is using his powers. He is blind. But he has uh, super sensitive hearing, super sensitive smell, super sensitive touch. So when he jumps into the cold water, it's especially cold. When he's listening to the men whisper, he can hear everything they're saying. He can smell uh, the smell of gunpowder. He can smell the tobacco that the people are, are, are smoking. The whole fight is really cool to me because he's really using his powers. And it's not just that he's like a ninja... It's the, he is like a ninja because of these powers and that really, really cool. And then there's also a gun that goes off near his ear that causes him to, um, just everything to just get fuzzy for him because he has super sensitive hearing. And so that's, that's his weakness there. And I just really enjoyed it. But there's, there's, there's a couple problems. One is I, it's, okay, I'm reading a superhero comic book, but it stretches uh, my suspension of disbelief a little bit when he's able to bat a bullet out of the air with his bu- billy club. Uh, that just kind of, there, there's a couple moments like that in here where he does things just a little too perfect for it really to, to feel like uh, as gritty and realistic as they're kind of, kind of portraying it like he he's climbing up on, on a boat on the pier he tosses his billy club in the air which is cool it creates a distraction but it bounces off of the thing that it hits to the metal thing that it hits and then bounces off of a guy's shoulder and then bounces back into his hand as he's jumping up so he's not up yet he throws it i mean this is even more unbelievable than any of the shield shenanigans that that captain america does but overall i really really enjoyed reading this and i I, the one thing I, i think i'm trying to divorce what i know about frank miller's run on daredevil and what i am reading here as a standalone issue put into a sampler that's trying to get me to buy a comic book when it comes right down to it i want to read more from this run i really really do I don't know if this issue is is really the, the thing that would make me want to though. If this was if this was just a comic book that was um, presented to me without all the baggage of the Frank Miller run that it has now of it being a classic, well, no, I would still want to read more. I'm very interested. I'm I think that if I was reading this without knowing much about. Um, much much more about what's what's coming or or what's uh, you know what's Frank Miller is going to become I should say I still would be interested enough to want to read more and the bottom line is the truth is even before reading this I did want to read more I'm not going to be reading any Daredevil anytime soon but was uh, I do have a, a Frank Miller uh, topic that I do want to talk about in the near future and that's his Ronin book I read it a bunch. When I was um, in college, uh, the very last year, my fifth year of college, I, I really worked hard to cram my four-year degree into five years of, of college. And when I finally was able to get through that, uh, when I was in film school for my second to last semester, I went to use bookstores all the time in Los Angeles. And I bought Ronin. I bought um, Watchmen. There's a whole bunch of, of books that I bought that were you know, comic books graphic novels that you were supposed to read. And Ronan was one of them. I read it a bunch back then. Uh, I haven't read it since I became a professional comic book writer. and But I remember before I was a professional, I, was, I read it a, a lot studying it carefully and closely. But now we're talking you know, 15 years ago, maybe even a little bit more. And so I'd like to read it again and see if it holds up because I remember just really... Really thinking it was just great, great stuff. So I will be reading some Frank Miller stuff in the near future. But as far as Daredevil goes, I'm done with Daredevil, but not because I want to be. I don't want to be done. I want to read this, this Frank Miller run. It's it's just the artwork is beautiful. It's really it's strong. It's it's simple. It's simpler than some of the other Frank Miller stuff that I remember seeing. It's cleaner. You know he hasn't developed that kind of uh, um, ink splatter type of thing that he uh, has done in, in his later material, but uh, it's still really solid, really good. So for now, I'm going to go ahead and take a break. And the next book I'll be reading has the pulse pounding penciling of John Ramita Jr. and it's written by Bill Mantlo. <laughs> And I'm back. Uh, I just read Iron Man <laughs> issue number uh, uh, issue number 115 from October 1978. Um, <laughs> oh, this issue, uh, John Romita Jr. Let's just let's just say he did a decent job um sometimes <laughs> He's, uh, i'm just i'm trying trying to think of something good to say uh this comic if you don't know marvel history if you don't know eh, half of this comic is exposition and backstory and flashbacks so starting at page one, they've just defeated the unicorn. He's there with the Avengers. They've all helped him defeat the unicorn. You have a splash page of uh, the unicorn. Um, It's going to be put into suspended animation along with someone else that we'll get to in a moment. But we have a whole page where they're just describing what happened in Iron Man number 114. And then Iron Man and Beast have some awful back and forth (laughs) <laughs> Iron Man says, "I want all of you to scan Avengers HQ for any sign, trail, or trace of that robot, because their, their arsenal is, is a robot that came and, and disappeared in, in the previous issue." And Beast says, "Hey, wait a minute! In case anybody cares, I haven't had any sleep tonight, and we've already scanned the whole first Schlugner place twice. As a matter of fact, and do it a third time." Beast says, "Who? I say it. Okay." <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> Says who? I do. Okay. It just doesn't make... Uh, It's bad. It's bad. And then we get more backstory. More backstory from Iron Man 114. More backstory from Avengers number 169. More backstory from Tales of Suspense number 56. More backstory from Iron Man number 4. And from Iron Man number 57. All this backstory to explain that uh, I don't even know what. It's just to, to lead up to why Unicorn was attacking. And so then we go from all the backstory flashback stuff to more backstory exposition stuff. As Tony Stark um, explains that he has a life model decoy of himself that he's programmed to you know pretend to be him while he's being Iron Man. And then Iron Man... <laughs> Apparently in Iron Man number one thirteen, he—that uh, was the last time that he saw his girlfriend Whitney. Whitney um, uh, Frost, and then he goes to her apartment where he's attacked by the animen. Now this is what was promised on the front cover of the magazine. It's a fight that he has. It's one, two, three, four pages. Uh, he's holding his own as Tony Stark against a bird person, a frog man, an ape man, and a cat man. And then he gets attacked from behind and knocked out and find out that he's been betrayed by Whitney Frost, who is actually Madame Mask. Now, the only reason I reveal Madame Mask is at the end of this is because, first of all, I'm not going to recommend this to anyone. If you're interested in reading it, you've probably already read it. Um, I don't think this is... Uh, <laughs> Of the three, or of the four, this is like, really, this is from a classic Iron Man run? This is the best they could do? And maybe it is the beginning of something good, but boy, oh boy, I am not really caring much about anything here. Now, Madam Mask, I do care about, because that's actually, uh, there's a character in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now, season two, the middle of season two, that some people think is actually going to end up being Madame Mask. And if she is Madame Mask, that'd be really interesting. I don't know anything about Madame Mask, though. And looking at her here, she's wearing kind of an Indian looking, you know, kind of skins that are stitches. And she's wearing a mask, but I can't even tell what that mask is meant to be. It's metallic, maybe? I don't... I don't know. And the Animen, they look like they're actually... Um, X-Men style of of uniforms here with kind of this yellow thing, but with uh, different colored sleeves coming out from under the yellow and different colored pant legs, but then yellow matching boots. And um, I I just mentioned X-Men. That's actually the uh, podcast that I would actually mention based on this Iron Man issue because uh, I remember them covering some X-Men issues where the anime men were, were uh, the foes that they were fighting at least I think I remember that. Again, it's been a while uh, since I've listened to those episodes. But if I'm wrong, I don't care because I still recommend the podcast. It's not about Iron Man. And I I don't know if there are any Iron Man podcasts out there worth listening to. There probably are, but I don't know. But this X-Men podcast, Danger Room, it's good. It's fun. I enjoy it enough to recommend it. Uh, I also like the X-Men And I liked listening to their podcast because I was able to listen to the classic X-Men stuff, but I came in late enough that I actually listened to three different um, eras of their podcast at the same time. So I bounced between classic X-Men, the original five, Angel, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Beast, and Iceman. And then I would um, listen to some of the new stuff, you know, where, with Wolverine and Colossus and, and Kitty Pride. But then I also was listening to episodes that were about the era between that original run of X-Men and giant Size X-Men number one. It was fun listening to it that way. I, I don't know if I would recommend anyone else do it, but it was fun to me. Uh, but anyway, the Danger Room uh, podcast is a good X-Men podcast, and I, I recommend um, if you again, if you like comic book time machine, you're gonna like that kind of stuff. As for Iron Man, though, this run of Iron Man, I am not interested at all. It, this is just bad. I I just did not. I I just I'm reading and it's oh more exposition, more exposition, more backstory, more backstory. Half of the issue is just setup of backstory. And I understand they did it differently back then, uh, but boy, oh boy, uh, not interesting to me. So, so far, I've read a Fantastic Four issue that I enjoyed, but not enough to make me track down the run, but also not enough to turn me off of the run. I've read a Daredevil issue that I enjoyed. And I'm already interested in in tracking down more of the run. But um, having a chance to read that issue, I'm even more interested. I've read an Invincible Iron Man issue that just does not interest me in the slightest. In fact, would turn me off if this was the only stuff that I knew about Iron Man. I would be done with Iron Man. But now I'm turning into uh, The Incredible Hulk number 314 from December of 1985, the, the newest of the, the stories. On the cover, I'm promised that the Hulk is attacked by his greatest foes. And I will be back after this quick little uh, bumper that I'm going to play to uh, to talk about that issue. And, and if it, does it round it off so that, that it's half and half? Or does it make it um, so this is a really a, a winning book that I'm holding in my hands? and i'm back with the hulk number three fourteen, december 1985 john burns story and pencils on the cover we're promised that he's attacked by uh, attacked by his greatest foes he's jumping through the forest that's where we start it's a Nice little splash page. I like John Byrne's art. Um, I really liked his work on on She-Hulk. He has an interesting uh, take on the Hulk's physique that I'm not used to, but it works. But he he lands in the forest and he's confronted by a deer. The deer is startled. The Hulk is startled. The deer charges the Hulk. He punches the deer deer and snaps its neck and then picks it up by the horns trying to figure out what's going on. He is more brutish than ever. The The narration tells us that he doesn't even know what's happened to the deer that before he would have understood but these days he, he doesn't. And I'm just like he's confronted by his greatest foes a deer and it's just so absurd. I'm reading this and Seriously, you turn the page and it is a shock. It's one of those page turns that you're just like, "Wow, I wasn't expecting that to happen." And and that's good writing, honestly. Good comic book writing when you're when you get that page turn reveal and and it's nice and it's good and it's interesting and it's exciting and it's unexpected. This was definitely unexpected. <laughs> so he continues on his way. And then we cut to Doc Samson and Doc Samson is a character. He's, he's the guy with long green hair. If you're curious and don't know who he is, that's, that's how you would recognize him. Uh, but he's also been affected by gamma rays like the Hulk. So he has great strength, but also he has, he, he retains his intellect. He finds out Hulk is back, back from where I don't know, but I think that it might have something to do with a spaceship that flew by. Um, In one panel, it says see Incredible Hulk number 14 for more details. But Hulk is back and he's dumber than ever. Uh Doc Sampson, he's gotta go, he's gotta go find the Hulk. He figures out where the where he thinks the Hulk is going based on what the radio is saying, what the direction the Hulk is going in. Then we go to this interlude who I am assuming that this is uh uh Betsy. Uh but I, it doesn't name her. And I can't tell. I don't know if this is actually her or not. But uh, it's just one page. It seems she's had a one-night stand with a a guy named Ram- Ramon who wears a gold pendant and a wife-beater t-shirt with holes in it that she met at a party the night before. I'm just this, – this page just throws me completely. More than the single panel of a UFO. If this is her, if this is – Is it Betty or Betsy? I always forget. But um, anyway, she doesn't come back in this issue. I'm assuming she will later on in in upcoming issues. But Doc Samson, he has arrived where he thinks Hulk is going to be. And that is where Hulk was created. And we do get some backstory here. But what I like about the backstory that we get here is it kind of sheds new light on the origin of the Hulk. There's some really interesting idea in this panel The single panel, it's narration from Doc Samson, but he says that he is, his theory is that when, um, when, uh, oh, what's his name? uh, Rick, when Rick Jones is out on the field where the testing was going to be, um, Banner runs out there because he's confronted as a scientist by the reality of what he's created. He was so wrapped up in the science of it that when he realized this thing is made for killing and sees that someone is about to die because of his invention, he runs out there to stop it. And its I like that idea. I I never really thought about the, the idea that, yeah, Banner is a scientist. Yeah, he created the Gamma Bomb. Yeah, the Gamma Bomb is made to kill people eventually. I had never put two and two together. This is a nice, uh, a nice revelation for me on the character of of Banner, of Bruce Banner. So then it gets into um, the foes that the Hulk is going to be attacked by. He and uh, Doc Samson have a, a nice fight, and it's a well drawn fight. It's a just a brutal punching fight. They're just going at each other. Fist to fist, and that's when the the Hulk's foes start showing up. You have the Juggernaut, you have MODOK, you have uh, Rhino, Abomination, the leader. And the Hulk is fighting them, and he's slowly realizing that they aren't really there. And even in his dumb state, he's realizing they aren't really there. Doc Samson is also realizing that he's fighting imaginary foes. He wakes up when Hulk is in the middle of this uh and he thinks that actually the 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 hallucinations are being caused by banner within hulk and it actually gives him a chance to give hulk a sucker punch it's an awesome splash page that sucker punch is and so he theorizes that that bruce banner has done this for him to help him defeat the hulk and if banner is still in there doing that then that means banner can be saved and it says, "Doc, uh, next issue, what is Doc Sampson's plan? Can it succeed? Can Bruce Banner be free from the Hulk? And who is that lady? Find out in a Hulk divided in 30 days. So, yeah, that one page of that lady, I don't know who that is. And apparently I'm not supposed to know who that is. But she she, uh, she reacts very, very strongly when, when uh, Ramon calls her baby. She says, don't call me baby. I am not a baby. I'm a woman. And I have a name. And then she hears on the radio also, just like Samson did, that um, Hulk has been seen. And she's saying, well, I sensed he was back and now I know what I must do. But apparently, uh, according to this, which I hadn't read, I hadn't read that blurb until just now. um, Apparently that blurb is telling me that I'm not the only one who's not supposed to know who that is. Well, the thing is, it says next issue... uh, It sounds like all this next issue stuff is is going to be tied into what's in this book. But then they give um, little blurbs about other books that are coming out on sale this month, the same month as this magazine. Marvel Action Hour featuring Iron Man number one. Based on the upcoming animated series, Iron Man must prevent the Mandarin from taking possession of a mysterious substance. Marvel Action Hour featuring the Fantastic Four number one. Based on the upcoming animated series, witness the origin of the fab- fabulous Fantastic Four as you've never seen it before. Force Works number five. The members of the Force Works must examine their actions as a team when they are forced to choose sides in a civil war raging throughout And Incredible Hulk number 423, Myth Conceptions Part 3. While searching for Agamemnon in Asgard, the Hulk is killed and winds up in in the halls of Valhalla. Interesting. I guess it makes sense why they included um, the Fantastic Four and Iron Man in here. Considering there were, yeah, two cartoons coming out very soon so they're tying into that they chose poorly to tie into that with the iron man issue that they chose but the fantastic four issue that they chose that's a pretty good one if you're trying to get people to say hey yeah I'll watch that cartoon um and then uh i guess the hulk you know these are the thing is these are the non x-men and non spider-man related uh heroes And so I I believe there's a Spider-Man magazine and I think there's an X-Men magazine or magazine that they did. I'm not exactly sure, but now things are starting to gel together looking at this ad. Daredevil and Hulk seem to be from two pretty interesting classic runs, whereas um, the Iron Man is in here just because of that cartoon, I guess. Um, Anyway, three for four, that's not too bad, especially considering the price that I paid. And, um, oh yeah, I was going to mention a a fourth podcast and that would be the, the uh, quarter bin podcast that is hosted by professor Allen. He uh, does a great job taking uh, things out of his collection that are, that cost him a quarter or less and then talking about them and deciding if it was worth the quarter he spent or not. However, um, I'm not mentioning that podcast, uh, other than to say I really highly recommend it. Of course, I am not mentioning that podcast in any other sense as I'm talking right now about the great deal that I got that really, honestly, uh, is better than any deal that he's mentioned. Uh, this is two ninety five cover price. I got it for free. That's 100% discount and uh, definitely a steal. I really enjoyed reading these. Uh, even reading the Iron Man one, it was fun to read, even though it was dumb. Um, and I didn't like it. Uh, being able to just read through these four things. I mean, this is what the Comic Book Time Machine is all about. So... Until next time, you can find us online at ComicBookTimeMachine.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us all over the place. You can find me at BenAvery.com. You can find me at my other podcast, which is about uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Welcome to Level 7 at WelcomeToLevel7.com. And I also do highly recommend those four other podcasts. They are ones that I enjoy. They are ones that I listen to. And I thank you for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine. And until next time, Godspeed. And yes, I lied. I was talking about the Quarterman podcast when I was throwing it in his face and I got it for free. Yeah, baby, free. That beats a quarter any day, doesn't it? Yeah, and this isn't any free comic book day kind of thing, Professor Allen. This was free when I walked up to the register with the intention to pay, handed it, he handed it back. I'm not going to mention what store it was in case someone I know wants to try and go there and see if he'll give them comics too, but... Booyah! In your face, Professor Allen. I just really went over the top on that. I should stop recording right now.